Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church, and we are so glad you're here to, to celebrate uh, on this Palm Sunday, the week before we celebrate Easter, uh, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And this morning, we're wrapping up our series uh, called Sundays, and we've been looking at what do we do as a church every week, and what's the significance uh, behind it? Uh, it's easy, even related to church, to get in a routine to kind of do the same thing every week without thinking. And life can be like that a lot. It can be kind of monotonous or mundane. But on Sundays, we actually have this opportunity when we come together to remember a few things. And so I just want to highlight kind of where we've been so far in this series as I wrap up. Uh, first Sunday, we talked about tuning our hearts. That is getting our hearts aligned with God. And we do this through worship, through singing songs back to Him. And that's why we sing as a part of our service. Uh, the week after that, we focused on engaging the Word. Uh, the importance as a church to open God's Word together, to allow it to guide us, and to learn God's Word, and then to focus on living it out. And then last week, week three of the series, we talked about the importance of giving back. How, uh, when we contribute financially, uh, to God's work in the world, we get to be a part of something uh, that actually lasts uh, for eternity, something so much bigger uh, than ourselves. So today we're talking about the final aspect of one of the main things we do every week at Ridgeview Church, and that is actually serving. That is doing what we can to help the work of the church get accomplished. And I am so encouraged and blessed by all of the volunteers and all those that we have who serve a part of Ridgeview Church. When we started Ridgeview Church in 2018, uh, we had just really a team of eight, eight people uh, who were committed to doing whatever was necessary to get the work of the church established. And since that time, uh, we have just multiplied those numbers of volunteers. And today, we have really over 30 to 40 people that are serving in so many different aspects to help the work of the church move forward. So I'm so grateful for our volunteers. I'm grateful for all those who serve that sacrifice. So today I want to talk about why is that so important? Not only for the tasks that need to get accomplished, but what does that do in our hearts? Why is choosing to serve something that actually is key to growth? In fact, when you don't serve and when you don't have an opportunity to kind of sacrifice for other people, you, you actually kind of can get stuck spiritually. And that's why for all of you who are watching online, whether you've been watching for months or watching just recently, uh, one of the struggles of just online church is sometimes you miss that opportunity to serve. And so I want to encourage you, wherever you are, as we talk about opportunities at Ridgeview, uh, so many of these opportunities are coming together. And so when you're ready, I encourage you, Take a step forward to serve uh, the greater church of Ridgeview. Uh, look for opportunities to serve uh, in your, your neighborhood and your neighbors. Look for opportunities to serve uh, your family. And so we talk about serving. We're talking about it in the context of the church. But also just think through how you can kind of incorporate that uh, in every aspect of your life. So let's dig in. I want to define uh, what serving actually is, and I want to kind of go back to a old dictionary. This is the Webster's Dictionary of 1828. Check out this definition. It says, serving, working for, acting in subordination to, yielding obedience to, worshiping, also performing duties as serving in the army. Now, that's one of those definitions that it just has tons of 
big words to define maybe a simpler word, uh, but you get kind of some words like yield and subordination, performing duties, and then the example is serving like you would in an army. Now, if you've ever seen training for an army, you go to boot camp and you go to basic training and it kind of exists of people telling you uh, what to do. Now, in serving, it's not exactly the same as in the army because there's people who are barking at you and and you do it. But it kind of has the sentiment and the same idea that I'm going to kind of take my role and do whatever I can to advance our group. And that's why it's so important in military sense, because you need to have everyone who's pulling together in the trenches to move that company forward. And in the church, it's actually very similar. But I don't know about you, when I read some of those words like yielding and subordination, some of those words kind of like rub me the wrong way. But this idea of serving, no matter kind of our experience, no matter even as we kind of experience some of those rubs, it's so important to our life. It's so important to our church. And it really is one of the keys to growing our faith. So Sundays and serving together is a major component of what we do on Sundays and every week. This is really how God wired uh, the church to be. In fact, the idea of being a servant, that's not something that just kind of sporadically shows up in the scriptures. That's something that the church just didn't decide, you know, let's just get a group of people together to do the work and we'll call them servants. No, in fact, this was the main reason that Jesus came. He came to set an example of what it means to truly serve, what it means to lay down your life. And in fact, being a servant is the greatest title in God's kingdom. Isn't that crazy when you think about it? When you think about a kingdom, the greatest title is always seems like the head leader, the general, the king. But in the kingdom of God, the greatest title, that kind of flips that on its head. It's actually servant. And so to really understand God's kingdom, it's kind of upside down to our world and their standards. We want to lead forward with prestige, with our appearances, putting our best foot forward, Make it seem like we will do whatever is needed to get ahead. But in God's kingdom, to get ahead, you actually realize that you allow others to be important. You allow others to be in front of you. You you kind of work all you can to really lay down your life for others. That's very backwards to how we would view success. So when Jesus lived on this earth and he trained his disciples and he taught the masses and to anyone who listened, you see this theme repeatedly coming up again. And that's that idea of of sacrifice. And God's kingdom is one of sacrifice and everyone expected this Messiah to come in power and prestige. And if you know the story of Jesus, you know that even the beginning of his life, his birth was a humble birth. a manger in a stable surrounded by animals. I think that's just a great picture of what to expect. There's a sense of which we want, again, status. But when Jesus came, he came in sacrifice. He came in just a humble place nobody would have known. And not only did Jesus do that in his birth, but he modeled this throughout his life. And his disciples just began to see all the things that he would do to, to sacrifice. And you could imagine being an early follower of Christ, just seeing all the ways that he laid his life down. And he did this repeatedly. But as he was talking about the kingdom of God, 
him being the son of God and what God would do, the disciples began to kind of strategize. And they began to think, well, Jesus is the son of God. And what we've seen with our own eyes, we believe he is. We believe he's the Messiah. We believe he's come to save us, to redeem us, to kind of help us get ahead. But again and again, he kept teaching them what, what that looked like. And there's a moment in which the disciples are talking amongst themselves, his closest followers, and they're trying to gain power and status, deciding who's going to lead. And that usually happens with a group of people, especially men, as they come together. They're always trying to figure out, well, who, who's going to be kind of the head honcho? Who's the, the alpha? Who's the big dog? And the disciples were, were no different. And they begin to talk amongst themselves and then kind of bring Jesus in. You know, Jesus, we're getting a picture of this kingdom and We've seen your power. We've seen who you are. Can you do us a favor? Can we be like co-leaders? Like when, when you establish your kingdom, can we be co-leaders with you? Can we be in charge? Can we be like your right hand and left hand guys? Can you make sure that when all this power gets to this pinnacle point, when everyone sees like you are the Messiah, can we be there and just be a part of this surge of authority that you have? Jesus, can we? Can you make that happen? We've seen what you can do. Can you wire that in? And James and John were the leaders of this conversation. And all the disciples begin to get frustrated at them because they're thinking, why didn't I think of that? So everyone was kind of trying to figure out how can we get the closest spot to Jesus, not to advance the kingdom, but really to advance our own names to really make ourselves elevated. And that's the struggle with all of us. And that's why I think sacrifice is central to the kingdom of God and serving is the greatest title. Why? Because there's something in all of us where we want to promote ourselves. There's pride and selfishness. There's arrogance. It's just creeping right in our hearts. It's always ready to put us first. But if you've ever been around people that put themselves first, you realize that those are not the type of people that actually have influence long-term. They could power their way to getting what they want, but their life begins to crumble because we're made to not be people that just force ourselves upon others. It it doesn't work. You, You can't actually gain influence like that. You can't give people freedom to choose. So if you power up on people, you actually cut off your authority. People won't follow you. And so Jesus, seeing... They're garnering for this power. He's gracious with them, but he uses it as a teachable moment. And this is the story in Mark chapter 10. Check out what Jesus says. And Jesus called to them, this is verse 42. Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know what those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord over them? And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. So what Jesus says in this moment is, I'm establishing a kingdom. And by now you should know that this kingdom is very different than any kingdom you've seen. They were under like this Roman rule, very power, kind of iron fist, do what we say, line up. And then he's given this description, they, they lord it over you. You never have to wonder who's in authority because they're always telling you. They're always bossing you around. They're forcing you into their mold. And Jesus says, like, that, that's not how we operate. This is not how it's going to be among you. He says, you know, if you want to be great, you actually want influence and you want status, then be a servant. 
It's so counterintuitive because you think if you want to be great, you've got to push your greatness forward. You've got to allow everyone to see how great you are. Self-promotion, right? That's what we see. That's the name of the game right now. So you've got to promote yourself. Get on social media. Promote yourself. Put your stuff out there. Get found. Get seen. When Jesus says, you actually want to influence with people, don't make it about you. Serve. It's like, what? That, that doesn't even make sense. You can imagine all these stops. Wait a second. We're talking about greatness here, and you're talking about serving. And then he goes on further. You want to be first? You want to really get ahead? You must be a slave to all. And the picture of, of a slave is, is someone that, that literally they don't have status. Their job is to carry the bags of the person they're helping, to do whatever's needed to promote somebody else. That's what Jesus is saying. Being a servant is the greatest title in the kingdom. You want to get ahead? You serve. You want to gain real influence of people? You put them before your own. Just like we practice hard attitude number one. Put the goals and interests of others above your own. That's what a servant does. That's actually what love is. True sacrifice. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of love rooted and fueled in the love of Jesus Christ. And what he did was he actually served and sacrificed and laid down his life. So serving is the greatest title in God's kingdom. The second is this. Serving brings both blessing and a sacrifice. And that really is true. Serving is something that, again, with counterintuitive, you, you actually can real experience uh, blessing. Blessing that you can't by self promotion. Uh, there's kind of something in all of us when we think of being a servant, certainly a slave to all. There's something that just, oh, I don't think so. Not me. That doesn't work in my family. That doesn't work in the kingdom I'm a part of. But what you find is when you extend yourself for the kingdom of God, um, there's actually some, some blessing. And there's, there's three ways that we find that even serving here at Ridgeview Church. Here's some just main three things. The first is serving allows us to develop deeper relationships. If you want to actually grow friendships, serve with other people. God has wired that in. Since serving is the greatest title in his kingdom, when people come together to do it, there's a bond that exists that's far stronger than people just promoting themselves. When you get into selfishness, relationships are sour. But when you get into serving, relationships are sweet. So the question is, which do you want? If you want to develop deep relationships, serve. At Ridgeview Church, we have example after example of relationships that have grown over the last couple years because people have just decided to come early or stay late, be behind the scenes to do the work of the church. They serve and they sacrifice and they do it with each other. And they get to catch up. They get to find out what's going on in each other's lives. And then God also kind of multiplies that effort and links hearts together. And relationships are deepened, and they're sweetened because of it. The second is you have an opportunity to bless others. When you serve, not only do you develop deeper relationships, but, but you get to bless. On a Sunday when we do our church at the park, there's people that have set up uh, the equipment so that when we sing songs, they can hear. There's people that have prepped the welcome table so that we have name tags so we can know each other's names. That's a huge blessing. But there's people that have to do that. Even online, there's people that have set up this service. They've done all this work so that you can experience God's word. 
And that's supposed to bless all those who come around Ridgeview. And this blessing, that God's kingdom, we talk about this a lot, this is eternal. This is something that never ends. So when we get to be a part of extending God's kingdom for people to experience it, we're talking about eternity. People have a chance to learn about Jesus, to learn about the plan that he has for them, and lives could be changed. Their life, their kids' life, their kids' life. So we got this generational here and now impact, and then this eternal lives changed as people decide to follow Jesus. That's real blessing that comes when people serve. So develop deeper relationships. We can bless others. And then the third is we can experience a mission greater than ourselves. I just described that. That's that eternal perspective. There's something going on when we come together to serve, specifically in the church, when we realize like we're a part of something we can't even see. We don't know what God's doing in the hearts of people. You ever thought about that? You don't know. It's spiritual. You can't see it, but it's real. The spiritual reality is real. And God is working in the hearts of people. He's softening hearts. He's healing wounds. He's giving grace to those who are just so burdened by shame, by guilt, by their past. He gives encouragement to people who are so discouraged by their future. And when you serve and you do your part in the church on a Sunday, whatever capacity that you can, you get to be a part of a mission greater than ourselves. And that is a beautiful thing. So remember I mentioned that serving is is a blessing, and those are the three main ways. And there's other ways too. But the question is, well, what about the sacrifice? And it's this question. So why is serving such a struggle? If you struggle to serve, don't beat yourself up. That's normal. It's actually supposed to be a struggle. That's why God has wired it in because sacrifice and love are always the best options, but they also work against our hearts because our hearts just, we can be so self-centered. We can be just corrupted. We can be so self-focused and just all we see is our own world. And so when Jesus encountered the disciples, even his closest right-hand man, just like, we want the power, we want the glory. And he recognized like, this is just gonna be happening in the hearts of all men and women, all of us, because we're all tainted by sin. We're all fueled by selfishness. It's something that we will have to deal with until we meet Jesus again. But Jesus just didn't say, you need to serve and you need to be a slave to all. He then gave the biggest reason why. Why is it such a sacrifice? Well, serving what it does over time it begins to allow you to lay your life down for others. And when you do that, you actually are following the example of Jesus. So I've read verse 42 to 44, but then in verse 45, we find some of, I think, some of the most beautiful words that Jesus describes himself. Mark 10, 45, and he says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You wanna be great, you need to serve. You wanna have influence, you wanna get ahead, you need to be a slave to all. And then Jesus says, why? Because even the son of man, so he's talking about himself. Very interesting, the son of man is one of Jesus' favorite descriptions of himself. It's kind of weird because I've always thought, you know, well, he's the son of God. He's the Messiah, and he is. 
But the Son of Man is a description that he used repeatedly to remind people of his position. This is what you find in the book of Philippians. He did not see equality as something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He poured himself out. He became a servant. When Jesus came to this earth, the incarnate God, he was fully man and he was fully God. It's a paradox that we don't quite understand, but he was both. And when he says son of man, he's saying like, I didn't come for prestige. I didn't come to promote myself. I came to lay my life down. He healed people. To heal somebody means that you're gonna encounter people that have major problems. He never ran from problems. He never ran from people. He, he met people right in the middle of the mess, whether it was physical, people just struggling with like these skin-eating diseases that people would say, oh, that's just disgusting. Jesus didn't balk at that. He, he met them right where they were. Uh, he, he ministered, he listened. He washed the feet of his disciples. Sandals, walking, dirty, wherever they went. Gross feet. Here's the deal. I can't stand feet. And what Jesus did for his followers, the rule, you know, the person leading all of them, he washed their feet. That was the most low, no one wanted job. That was the most lowly job anyone could have, and Jesus did it. Jesus. And that's why he's the son of man. He came to serve, and then he said he's, he, he's the ransom. Now, ransom just occurs twice in the New Testament, and it means the price of release. Jesus came to release us from the condemnation of our sin. The Bible says, you know, that the penalty of our sin is, is death. It's actually a literal eternal separation from God because we've sinned. That selfishness, that arrogance that I've talked about, it separates us from God. That's the penalty of our sin. And we all deserve it. But Jesus came not only to be a servant, but to lay his life down as a ransom for many, for all who need healing, for all who decide, I need a payment. I need to be released of my sin. I'm in debt to Almighty God. Jesus came to pay that debt. He is that ransom. It's so interesting. He became a servant. He became nothing to pay this ransom. But the ransom is what you would pay to release slaves. So the one who became slave, the son of man for all of us, released us as slaves to sin. Isn't that just a beautiful picture? We are slaves ourselves, even to sin, in bondage, shackled, tied up. And Jesus came to become a slave, to release us from it. He gave his life to break the chains. And it's this beautiful picture of sacrifice. So the question is, why is serving so hard? It's because you literally have to lay your life down for people. Now, thankfully, most of us will never encounter after actually literally doing this. But Jesus did. Perfect. He was convicted of crimes he did not commit. He never sinned. He was pure and blameless, to which none of us can say. But that is the way of his kingdom. People who lay their life down. It's an upside down perspective and it's so scary because again, we live in a time where if you want to get ahead, promote yourself. You want to be important? Make sure you let people know. 
Jesus says, that's not how my followers are. You want to be important. You don't say anything. And you just look for needs and you meet them. And it's scary because if you extend yourself, the question is, who's going to take care of me? And that's what faith is. Repeatedly, God brings us to this line where we, you know, will we trust him with our life? Will we decide that we're going to do what he says, even if it means it might cost us? Even if it means we don't have the answers for his provision or the way he's going to take care of us. That is so real. If you struggle with that, don't feel like you're different. We all struggle with that. That's what faith is. It's, it's getting to that point where, God, I trust that you will take care of me because you've said it. I trust that you're going to meet my needs as I meet the needs of others. Why? Because you said it. And not only that, Jesus, I look at your life and you did it. You laid your life down as a ransom. You paid the price of release to slavery to my sin, but also to that feeling that we just have to keep doing it ourselves. When you extend yourself for others, when you serve God and his kingdom, you're giving up your rights to your own self-promotion. And that actually is something that God can really use. So I want to end with this, key perspective. And this is for all of us. I hope this is encouraging to you. As you sacrifice through serving, whatever capacity that is, God will ultimately take care of you. That's the truth. He's not going to leave you hanging. If you lay your life down, his promise was that you're going to gain influence. If you want to promote and you want to kind of get ahead, choose the way of serving. God will lift you up. He will support you. He will be a part of that. But if you promote yourself, his hand, it's, oh, it's not there to support you. But if you serve and lay down your life, like his strong, mighty hand supports and protects you. Check out the scripture in Hebrews 6.10. It says, God is not unjust. That's kind of what we're asking. Well, if I do this, is God going to take care of me? Is he going to do what he said? Like, is he really going to back up what Jesus said? Well, Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Great verse. God is not unjust. Why? He sees everything and he remembers. Nothing slips his mind. He doesn't become absent-minded. He doesn't check out. He's always engaged, always watching. Now notice the other part of this. He doesn't forget the, the love and the work that you've shown him as what? As you have served his people. So God actually accounts the love for him as we serve others within the church. And that is a great picture. There's something in us. Well, I just want it to be just me and God. I'm just going to focus on me and God. And, and God actually says, actually, if you love me, you're going to serve my people. If you love me, you're going to work in the church. You're not going to check out and just make this me and you. He has a deep and personal relationship with each of us, but it's always connected to community. It's always connected to church. And that's why we serve on Sundays, because that's a way that we show God we love him. We will take care of each other, help his people, and continue to help them. Like We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop serving. God is just. He sees. He watches. And he will take care of us. There's another scripture in Colossians 3. 
This time, it actually kind of extends that vision again, but beyond just the here and now. Check this out. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Verse 24, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. I just like this because this is now kind of cutting through a lot of areas of life. The idea is this. If you ever do something and you don't want to do it, certainly serving is one of those things oftentimes, especially if it's kind of the way that you wouldn't like to serve. There's certain things that we love to do in life and there's just different chores that we don't like to do. What Paul is writing here to the church is just, there's just things that you're going to do that you don't want to do and you can get into this mode of just like, God's forgotten me. He doesn't, he's left me to just this life and this monotony of responsibility and it feels so heavy and it feels so harsh and we lose heart, we become discouraged. What Paul's just saying is whatever you do, things that you like, things that you don't like, anytime it's involving service, it's going to be a battle. But he says, do it with all your heart. That is, have your motivation be connected to not the task, but the importance of doing What's needed in taking care of your responsibility, he elevates kind of the status. It's noble. It's noble to do even the little things. It's noble to do even the chores. It's noble to do your laundry. It's noble to open a door for somebody. It's noble to let somebody else go first as you get in line to a restaurant. It's noble to let somebody merge on the freeway as they're becoming your lane. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working the Lord. The idea is like, as you serve somebody, you're serving God. He takes it seriously. And then he says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance. This is connected to Hebrews 6.10. God is not unjust. Why? Because we know that God pays attention. And we know that when we meet him in heaven, for everyone who's decided to face or decide to follow Jesus, they're going to face the judgment. We all will face the judgment. But for all those who decided to follow Christ, there'll be this reckoning of, here's all the ways that you extended yourself for my kingdom. And there will be a reward for that. That just kind of brings up these images of heaven. And I think there's going to be so many in heaven that are going to have rewards that we don't even know about, that we've never heard of, that we've never seen. Again, we live in a time where It's just who makes a name for themselves, who gets the most followers on social media, who gets the biggest that, the biggest this. Well, servants really don't have any of that, right? So doesn't that mean in heaven, the greatest people will probably be servants? People that we may have never even heard of. I think that's going to be one of the most beautiful pictures. The people with the most rewards will likely be the people we don't know that we've never seen and we've never heard of. And I think we'll fully realize then, like, this is real. We will receive this inheritance, this eternal inheritance. Like, we are saved because Jesus Christ laid his life down as a ransom. That's what we celebrate next week. But also, we'll be rewarded for our faithful service. This is the kind of church that God wants to build. Not about ourselves, building our name, Not about our status, trying to make sure people notice us, but whatever we do, we work at it for the Lord. Not for men, 
because we know he's just, he's going to take care of us. So I want to just close out uh, with some just different serving opportunities. Again, if you're right now engaging online, this is going to be a struggle for you. It's very difficult to serve uh, by just watching a service. So let me challenge you a little bit, if I may. If you've been watching for a while and you've not served anyone recently, a part of Ridgeview Church, take a step to do that. We have opportunities. Even today, if you're watching the 10 o'clock service, even today, we're going to be doing door hangers right after church. And that's something that you can help serve and be a part of. You can show up uh, after church at Olive Grove Park. If you leave after the service, you'll make it in, in plenty of time. That's a way that you could serve. There's also, again, opportunities uh, within your neighborhood. There's people that you might know within Ridgeview that you could reach out to serve and just look for for ways to help. There's also an extra handout. If you click on the sermon notes, uh, you'll see all the opportunities that we have at Ridgeview Church. And we have kind of our roster size and our our ideal. And what we want to show you is that we need people at Ridgeview. We need more people to keep stepping up. So when you're ready, I want to encourage you, engage by serving. This is how you'll grow. And if you're ready to meet in person, take that step. God wants to use you to build up and to bless the people within the church. And not only that, he wants to grow you. And so consider just the ways and opportunities. You can check out, uh, again, that sheet and just see, you know, it might be time for me to take a step. So speaking of steps, let me close out with next steps that you can take. Uh, Here they are. I encourage you to mark those on your connection card. Uh, Click on that connection card link. Let us know you're here, how we can pray for you, like Joel has mentioned. Uh, The first next step, check out the current service opportunities and sign up to serve. Let us know how you'd like to serve. The second is express appreciation for someone who serves. Is there somebody that you just see that they keep serving, they keep helping people and, and extending themselves for others? Thank them for that. Be specific. If you've seen something that somebody does, thank them. That will bless them. And then third, ask God for humility before arriving to serve on Sunday. If you jump in to serve here at Ridgeview, any kind of opportunity that you have, just ask God for humility. You might have to face things that you don't necessarily want to do. You may feel tired. And it can be so easy to not want to make those choices. And so just pray, God, give give me humility as as I serve, as I extend myself. So take one of those next steps. Let us know that you've taken it by filling out that connection card. I want to invite you as well next week for Easter. We can't wait to celebrate. We're going to be talking about how Easter changes everything. And that's the series we're going to be on. This changes everything. And we're going to talk about how the life of Jesus and his sacrifice for us and his resurrection, the fact that he conquered sin and death, how does that change different aspects of our life. And so I hope you'll join us next week. Uh, Same time, we'll be at 10, 1, and 4 online. We'll be at Church at the Park at 10. Please invite friends, family. There's so many people that are seeking encouragement, seeking the truth right now in their life. So ask God to show you maybe some people you can invite. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this series as we've been able to look at what we do as a church. Thank you for all the faithful people that we have at Ridgeview that serve in our groups, that serve on teams on Sundays, that that serve just in so many ways that I don't even know. Just in the way that they reach out, the way that they pray, the way that they, they love. God, we can only do this because that is your son, Jesus. 
We can only sustain sacrifice because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. So thank you, God. Thank you for sending him to our earth. Thank you for his example. And thank you ultimately that he laid his life down as a ransom for many. As we gear up for Easter, just put on our hearts people that we could invite. People in our lives, friends and family. Give us courage to invite them this next week. Thank you, Lord, for this day. We pray that you'll be with us this next week as we approach Easter. Now be mindful of all the things that your son Jesus has done for us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.